Hope is what I want to talk to you about this morning. So open your Bibles up to, to Psalm 33, verse 22. That is going to be our, our kind of our theme text through this year, Psalm 33, verse 22. I, I, I spoke a few weeks ago. It was uh, the message that was recorded that we got to watch together last week at home. And can I be honest with you? It's not the same sitting at home. It's just not. I know that's where a lot of people are, and that's just where, where we have to be right now. But uh, I was there with my dog and my pajamas and my coffee watching myself preach, which was very weird. And, and I got done. I amen myself a few times. I corrected myself a few times. And, uh, and I had a few moments like, what were you thinking? And then, uh, then at the end of it, I'm like, you know what? Though that may not be optimal, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, and it gets wherever it needs to get. Amen. No matter how it's put out, it gets where it needs to get. And so I, I spoke in that day a message that I, I talked about the fact that he still got the whole world in his hands. How many remember that song? I mean, it'll date a lot of us, right? Such a easy, Church songs were much easier back in the old days, right? It's just like, we'll just A for A's, we'll repeat it forever, we're good. And it was all the same beat because we can't clap on the offbeat, you know that. And, um, and, and, and it's such a childhood song, but yet it really does remind us something. He still does have the whole world in his hands. And I want to kind of build on that today before we start our New Year's series next week and, and speaking to this thought of that God has the whole world in his hands and our hope is in him. You know, I don't know about you, but I've, I've always enjoyed the season between Christmas and New Year's. I just think that in between is, is kind of a cool time because typically work closes down, people have traveled out, we've eaten way too much, we've overindulged in many, many ways, and it's a, a season of reflection. And, and I caught myself this year not wanting to reflect. I, I'm one that I like to I like to read the articles and go online and see all the things, the in memory, right? The what all happened in 2020? You know, where you you read about the the unique things that came about, the the things that come on the scene, new technologies. We read about historical figures who passed in this life that make us feel very old. We read about great events that we've memorialized forever. But I, I found myself this week not wanting to read about 2020. And I, I tried to write in my journal, 2020 was a year of that, and all I got was 2020 was a year. And I, I just kind of had stopped there, and it, it took me a while to start filling in the good things. Because how many know God did good things this year? And we experienced great things this year. But as I was reading that, I was thinking about 2020, and I thought about the, it was a year that we all came in with great vision and great hope, because how much easier can you get, get to market something? 2020, a year of vision. We just didn't know it was going to be that, right? But, but it was a year where we adopted and adapted to seemingly ever-changing and unpredictable, still-morphing environments that shook us and continue to shake our world. And I, and I don't want to go back necessarily and, and reread the history of the year, but what a year. I mean, you think about what we've walked in, in, in faith in our God and his ability to see us through. We walked through political and racial unrest that divided us and continue to divide us. Economic uncertainty, increasing natural disasters, reconciling hurricanes and wildfires. And oh yeah, by the way, a virus that literally no one saw coming and now we're still caught up in that. But you know what really intrigued me about last year when I thought about it was not so much the events as the new language it created in us. You know, we, we have a way of adopting new phrases and new words that mean new things based on our experience. They, we added things to our lexicon that for many we'd like to get rid of, but they're with us now. I mean, who knew that there were such a thing as essential workers and the rest of us are all just, you know, taking up space, right? Um, the word I really decided I didn't like at all was the word pivot. 
Because the only way I knew pivot growing up was in basketball because you kept your pivot foot on the ground, right? And uh, then there was that wonderful thing called Zoom. Hallelujah, Zoom. I liked it a lot better when it was a uh, sound that kids made when they played with cars or mimic flying, right? And then there was flatten the curve, and it had nothing to do with dieting, folks, at all. Just flatten the curve. Doom scrolling, anybody? Doom scrolling. Maybe you, you don't realize you're doing that. And that's where you just keep scrolling down the news articles, hoping for some good news, right? Social distancing became a thing, contact tracing. Then we had these great acronyms. You had to be careful how you said them because we had both PPE and PPP. And then my favorite phrase of the whole year was right here, blurs day, because nobody knew what day it was. <laughs> You're like, what day is it? I don't know. It feels like a Tuesday. Denise, who's with her mom this week at Tennessee, in fact, they're watching online right now, we, we have this habit, we wake up in the morning, she always says, happy Monday or happy Tuesday, and, and the number of times we got that day wrong this year was not even funny. It was like, baby, it's, it's not Sunday, okay? It's, it's, you can go back to bed right now. It is that blurs day because things just kind of blurred together, and these words are now part of us, and as believers, we understand that words have power. Words have meaning, and they, they impact us greatly. So to start the new year out correctly, I want to remind us of a word. It's in the scripture we're going to look at, that, if we, that a word that will never grow old, and if we order it correctly, will keep us unshakable in an ever-increasingly shakable world. Psalm 33, verse 22. Let this be a memory verse for you this year. It says this, May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I think we should say that out loud together today. Can you just do your best preacher voice? I know you're not mic'd up right now like I am, but do, your, do, do better than you do as a whisper, right? Psalm 33, 22 says, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. We like the word hope around here if you haven't figured that out. But we have to understand where our hope is determines how we handle the uncertainties that we surely face moment by moment, day to day in this world. In fact, today what I want to do is help us out with, with I think, one of the most difficult tensions, uh, especially in the lives of believers, that we will ever manage in our lives. And it really comes around this thought right here, and that is this. How do we remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world? How do we remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world? Because here's the reality, gang, and that is this. What or whom we are hoping in determines our ability to maintain our hope. Whether we have already or not, every one of us will or have wrestled at some point with, with this dilemma. I mean, think about it. If you've ever had something you placed your hope in come crashing down around you, then you know it. If, if upon your marriage the words till death was apart were, were kind of understood differently by different partners, you understand that. If you had a career promise broken you, that position was given to someone else, you understand that. If your wealth and hope was in the market and it changed, you understand that. If you had an academic career that was sidelined by politics, you understand there were an athletic career that was sidelined by injuries, things beyond your control, you understand that. If you ever thought, God, why even try? Then you understand this dilemma that we as humans face Though we have faith in our God, we live in a world that, that we somehow we continue wrongly to put our hope in when God says we put our hope in one thing that makes a difference, and that is his love that never, ever fails us. So to walk in this this morning, what I want to do is kind of get back to a working definition of hope, and then I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8 that I believe will help us 
navigate this in a world that, that seemingly, again, we falsely place hope in when God said, you know, there's only one place to place hope, and that is him. So what is hope? Here's a working definition, I think, of, of our understanding of what we place our hope in. A hope is a person or thing in which my expectations are centered, the person or thing in which we placed our confidence as related to our future. So again, it's a, it's a heavy leaning into a, an event or a thing or a person that somehow they, they, they shape our future. And the opposite of that then is hopelessness, which is that feeling which comes with knowing that the person or thing in which I place my hope will not, cannot come through. Just can't do it. I mean, think about that. From the day we were born, we all place our hope in someone or something. I mean, it's easy when we're children, right? We place them, place our hope in our parents, and then along around those early teen years or whatever, we think, figure out our parents don't know what we think they know, or at least we don't think they know what they think they know, and our hope shifts because somehow we think they may be unreliable and we choose to place our hope somewhere else. And whether we recognize it or not, we go through the rest of our lives constantly shifting where we place our hope. It, it, it's, it's, it's under the surface. We would never admit it. Because we will say straight up, our hope is in God and God alone. But if we really look at our lives and we look at our emotions and we look at how we navigate this broken world, a lot of times we, we've leaned our ladder, so to speak, against walls of, of what we think are certainty that aren't certain at all. Things that we put our hope in that, that, are, that will disappoint or maybe already have disappointed, but we continue to lean our ladder there. I mean, think about it for a moment. There, there are things that we, we never think about, like, uh, like our, our health. We don't think a lot about our health until our health is challenged. We, we don't think about our, our, our future so much until things that we had planned out don't come to pass. And we put our hope in things that, that we don't even know that's there until they start going away. And it makes us feel helpless and powerless. How do we remain hopeful in that? How do we, how do we walk through those seasons? How do, we, how do we maintain our faith and our witness before God when, when we're so confronted always with things that dissatisfy or let us down? Now, I know as a, I'll give you the preacher answer that you'd expect because if not, I shouldn't be up here. And that is simply this. The Bible is very clear throughout the pages of Scripture that we are told to put our hope in God. It's in Him alone and just in, in, in on His promises. The only way to maintain hope in a broken world is to place our hope in what doesn't change, and that's God's love. May your unfailing love, is what we said a while ago, be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I know in our culture, it's, it's, it's easy to, um, to mask where we put our hope in. We, we taught a lot of this in the years past about just, you know, in the affluence of America and in the lives we live in and the blessings we have, it, it's easy for us to begin to put our hope in things that, that honestly aren't promised to last. In fact, Paul wrote about this to, first Tim, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He said in 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world. I don't need to go there. We went through this last year or so. We're all rich. We need to understand that. Uh, those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Aren't you glad God richly provides everything? even for our enjoyment. And we say, amen, pastor, that's right. We don't do that. We don't put our hope in wealth, but we are Americans. And um, we really have a good way of putting up walls that we think will stand that honestly we know won't stand. In fact, I believe this. I believe we are hesitant in this nation to do so because we are convinced, we aren't convinced that our world is all that broken. 
or that somehow we can overcome its brokenness. We can, we can, we can come with ingenuity and, and plans and new developments that somehow will overcome the brokenness of the world, and we lead ourselves uh, to believe that we can, we can get through the brokenness if we just exercise more or take better drugs or surgery or education, and, and somehow it makes us untouchable. We must place our trust. Many that say they trust in God, but truthfully, more trust in their lives is found in things like their performance or their morals or their righteousness, their health, their pastor, their doctor, their president, their economy, their nation. We lean our ladders against those things, and then here's what we do. We go to work trying to ensure our ladders stay strong. Oh, if we can just uh, keep the right people in office, we'll be fine. Or if we, can just, if we can just continue the career we like, we'll be fine. Or if we can just maintain our health, we'll be fine. And if we're Christians, we'll even pray about it and say, God, please let our ladder hold, even though our ladder's against the wrong wall. Say, God, keep it secure. God, make sure it doesn't slip. God, my hope is in my family. Lord, make sure that's where it's at. God, my hope is in my church. Make sure that's where it's at. When all along, God is saying, there's only one thing I've told you you can hope in. There's only one thing that never fails. It's not your family. It's not your job. It's not your health. It's not anything in this world. It is the love that God has for us that he expressed to his son, Jesus Christ, when he gave his life for us, that we may be free, as we sang and talked about this morning, and put our trust in him. I've always loved this visual out of Psalm 125. Psalm 125, verse 1 and 2 says this, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Why? Think about this. Why? As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. You're surrounded, guys. You're surrounded by the one thing you can hope in, the one thing that will never fail you. And that is the love that comes through Jesus Christ. So where's our hope? Where, where's our hope at? You're like, Mike, I came to be encouraged today. So far, you haven't done much of that. I'm getting there. Because I think it's, under, I think it's important for us to understand why this is important. I think it's also important for us to understand why we can't place our hope in the things of the world because the Bible's clear about it. We just don't necessarily want to believe it. So I want to focus on a passage of Scripture that may seem confusing, but it's not. It's just written by Paul who likes to write confusingly sometimes. But I, I want you to understand it because it is true in our lives. Romans 8, one of my favorite chapters and favorite books in the Bible, is where Paul gives us insight into this dilemma. How do we stay hopeful in a hopelessly broken world. Now remember when Paul wrote this, he was writing it to Christians who were living under Nero at the time. I know you may think you have it bad right now, and I know you think we, we, we may be struggling with some freedoms or whatever, but at least you didn't come here today with Christians being burned and torched along the road, okay? So a rough time for Christians, and Paul writes Romans into them at this moment. He begins in Romans 8 verse 20 is where I want you to look right now. And he begins with the fall, talking about when sin entered into the world. And it's important that we understand about sin because sin affects the brokenness that we're dealing with today. Here's what we tend to think as, as, as believers and as humans. We, think, we tend to think as sin as an isolated event or an act, right? Oh, he sinned or, or she sinned or I sinned. We, we think of sin as something we do. But God viewed sin more as a, a fatal disease, a fatal disease that everything it touches dies and once it was introduced in the world, it infected and eventually killed everything, everything that we tend to put our hope in. Sin impacts relationships. Sin impacts 
physicalness, sin impacts weather, creation, and everything about it that it touches dies. It's, it's fatal. I mean, if you think about that, everything, that, everything we know about us, it eventually dies. Have you noticed that? So in Romans 8.20, he says, For the creation, what we see around us, what we tend to put our hope in, was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Heard this morning, and it's interesting because I, I, I stand there a lot, and I'll, I'll explain that why in a moment. Someone's talking about their frustration. I just shouldn't be frustrated right now, but here's the reality. Frustration is an absolute result of sin. Not your sin, but the sin in general. Because what happens is, again, it takes things that we would like to put our hope in, like to put our trust in, and it makes them ultimately crater because, again, it doesn't have the ability to live. It touches everything. It dies. Sin does. You see, frustration, disappointment are intertwined in the fabric of this world. It's normal. And here's the thing that nobody that really wants to, to admit or say out loud as a Christian is this. God is the one allowing it to decay. He's allowing sin to run its course. He won't stop it. Yet we spend a lot of energy trying to slow it down, but there's a reason that it's going forward that way. He says it's, it's suffering this decay. In verse 81, he said, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So what he's saying is, guys, look, you cannot put your hope in things that are decaying. You cannot put your hope in things that are not eternal. You cannot put your hope in things that you think are going to last forever. Have you looked in a mirror lately? I, I don't like the mirrors that we have in our, our bathroom. We have bathroom, you know, this is a great marriage advice to anybody starting out. Two sinks makes a happy life. Two sinks, two mirrors. But Denise, for some reason, added a third mirror that I really dislike greatly. You know, my mirror is a mirror that's just normal, right? And you stand in front of it, and you know, and at my age, you kind of look, and you're like, yeah, not bad. You know, it's okay. Kind of things are in the right place still, and some things. And then, and then, then I go to her sink, and it's the same thing, you know. But then she's got this little round mirror over here, and it magnifies everything. And there's days I walk past, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Where did that come from? Where, where, what is that spot, and what does that even mean? And then I look at the wrinkles. It looks like a river dry bed in the desert somewhere that's forming. You know, it's like it's dying, calling out. And then I see I do have hair follicles. I absolutely do. They just chose to check out. I mean, it's just, I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? I see you. I see you. And it just reminds you. It's just like, I used to be different. And so did you. Because this physicalness has a way of reminding us we're in this perpetual effect of sin. Oh, we, we've been freed from sin. We've been freed from its curse, but the effects are around us, and we've got to stop putting our hope in things that are impacted by sin and put our faith and our hope in the one thing that will never fail, and it's the love of our God. I mean, it, it's a bad idea to continue to attach our hope to things of this world. There's a date that may mean nothing to y'all, September 5th, 1997. Anybody know what happened that day? No takers? I don't even have time to Google. Mother Teresa died that day. Now, let's be honest. If she can't overcome the effects of the day, we have no hope, right? I mean, sainted by all for all her great work and all that, but still it caught up with even her life, and it does in all of our lives. If she can't beat the system, neither can I. And that's what causes the frustration, especially for those of us who are control freaks who remain frustrated always. Hello, my name is Mike. I'm a control freak. Do I have any takers? Any people that want to be in my group this year? 
Come on. I mean, the world just won't cooperate with us. Things break that should not break. People misbehave. Your children aren't interested in your plan for their lives if you haven't figured that one out yet. It leads to frustration, but God said there's a, there's a purpose in this. Verse 22, he says, look, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. This frustration that sin causes, this frustration that we see in creation, this frustration that we feel deep inside of us is really a longing created in us, believing there is something better than this. Believing there is something greater than this. Believing something there is that, that God has different for us. Something beyond this life. And in verse 24 it says, It is in this hope that we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all for who hopes what already they have. Think about this. The moment we put our faith in Christ, the moment we receive Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we get linked to a story that's bigger than us. We get linked to a story that's bigger than our lives, our plans, our ways. We get linked to a story that is eternal because God created us not just for time, but for eternity. And we begin to recognize something, things that we held on to tightly before coming to Christ were the very things that were frustrating us greatly. And now the challenge once we've come to Christ is to learn how to let go of those things and walk in a soul devotion of understanding there is one thing I put my trust in. That's the everlasting, everlasting never-failing love of my Father. You see, in that story, God is loving us and God is working his love through us because how else will the world see him or know him if we're just caught up doing the same thing the rest of the world does and walk around frustrated because this broke or this failed or that fell apart when we know full well it's just going to happen. But in the midst of that, we know there's something greater. In the midst of that, we want to let our light shine in that dark sky because our hope is not in this world, it's in our God. And that's why in verse 25 he says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We don't give up. I'm afraid in this last year, one of my biggest prayers over, over the believers across the world is, Lord, don't let them give up. Because here's what happened. A lot of people found out their faith was in the wrong place in this last year. A lot of people found out their hope was in the wrong place this last year. A lot of people found out they were doing church, they just weren't doing a relationship with God. And they wondered why all of a sudden they felt empty, hopeless, nowhere to go. You see, when your faith is in God, nothing can shake you. When your faith is in God, you recognize he's got the whole world in his hand. When your faith is in God, you don't give up. You wait patiently to see that love work in you and through you because God is with you. Verses 26 through 30, which we're not going to read, basically says this. He says, God says to you, look, I know you're frustrated. I know you've been disappointed. I know that I know there are things that you're finding that you thought you could count on, but you can't. And I get it. I understand it so much so that even when you don't know how to pray, guess what? My Holy Spirit prays through you. Even if it's just heavy sighs, come on all the sires in the land, or even groanings. That's our God. He said, I got you. I'm with you. I'll never fail you. So much so that it reminds us in verse 31. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things, all these frustrating things around us? If God is for us, come on, help me out. What does it say? Who can be against us? Some of you have struggled this year in your family relationships. COVID's just, it's just magnified the, the, the fractures that were already there. 
Some of you have found out your marriage needs work. Some of you have found out that your, your kids need more of your attention. Some of you have found out your kids need less of your attention. You, it's, just, it's just magnified everything. And God says, what should we say about all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he said, he didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will we not also along with him graciously give us all things? Here's the, here's the reality. As God becomes the focus of our hope, that's where hope does not disappoint. And then he goes into one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, verses 38 through 39, for I'm convinced. What are you convinced of today? You listen to some of us standing here today and said, hey, it's a new year. We're believing God for good things or new things. And you're like, I'm not convinced. Hey, God is with you. He's never left you nor forsake you. I'm not convinced. God's promises are for you. I'm not convinced. Can I tell you, one of the greatest joys I have every week is uh, I park cars on Thursday night. I get to talk to the, to the people we serve when their windows are rolled down. I have two questions, trunk or side, side door, okay? Pretty much that's all they trust me with out there. But can I tell you how many of the folks I have served begin preaching to me, hey, pastor, God's good. Hey, pastor, God's on the throne. Hey, pastor, our faith is in him. Our hope is in him. And I get blessed, and I'm out here. I want to high-five and hug him, but I can't. I'm like, come on. Because what the world would tell us is people in that circumstance would be the ones that just talk down everything. But you know what? When you know that God is your source, then you live as if God is your source. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Stop right there. I know that we don't have Bibles we underline anymore, but we ought to. Do you see the phrase anything else? It's kind of like the job description you get. You know, here's your specific duties and anything else we may think is prevalent or needed, which means you're going to do anything and everything. That was God's anything else moment to us. He's saying, look, I can, I can delineate all these things that maybe you're concerned about or fear or, or maybe even things you put your hope in that, that lets you down, but I want to tell you something. They're not. <laughs> they are not, whether they're angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, guys. That's where it's at. You've got to purposely take your ladder that you've leaned up against your career, your education, your good looks, your family, your health, and you've got to physically choose to say, God, I'm removing that ladder and I'm putting it in the only place that it will stand. God, that is in your unfailing love. You see, we've been invited by God to do that. A love that's not demonstrated by whether or not you get everything you want. A love that is not demonstrated by the fact you land the job, get the scholarship, marry the money, or earn a position on the team. That has nothing to do with it. Because can I tell you, there's a lot of people that are greatly loved by God that don't get any of that. But it has everything to do by a love that's demonstrated in history when his son died for us to secure our spot in the family. And when we do this and we, we land our, our faith there, here's what I love. Then we're able to speak words of praise and truth in the face of the world that sometimes seems very hellish. We're able to sing our songs of victory in a world where things are very messy. We're able to live out our joy among people who neither understand us or encourage us to do so. 
Because the content of our lives is God. It's not this. It's not humanity. It's not the world. It's God. And we're traveling in his light. We're traveling in his purpose. And we're traveling at his pace so that we may be the ones that point others to him. So what do we do? What do we do? As we begin 2021, just real quick, wrap it up here. Then we're going to have our first communion together. What do we do practically to continue to have hope in the middle of a hopelessly broken world? First of all is this. Live out your kingdom values every day in a world that has, yes, many unhappy endings in it. Live out your kingdom values like Jesus did, like Paul did, like like Mother Teresa did, like your grandma did in days that were much harder than days we live in. Here's how we do that. You love even though it doesn't always seem to make a difference. You forgive even though it doesn't always seem to change people. You put others first even though it doesn't always seem to to reciprocate in your life. You serve, you do your best even though others may not ever notice. That's called living out our hope in God's love. Now, do we plan? Yes. Do we build buildings? Yes. Do we dream? Yes. Do we pursue progress? Yes. But do we put our hopes and our plans, our dreams and our ambitions? No. Because we live in a world where the things of this world will not support the ladder that will help you stand in hope when things go sideways. I feel so strongly that this needs to be settled in us coming into this new year. Remember we entered last year and we'd have all said, oh, we were hopeful. Why would we not be more hopeful even now? Because all last year did was prove what I just spent the last 30 minutes talking to you about. You see, we have an unshakable faith and an unshakable God. The only way our faith remains unshakable is when we continue to focus on the one thing that never changes. He loves you. He's working his love through you. He wants to show his love through you to others. But you've got to keep yourself focused there. This morning, maybe maybe the challenge for some of you is this. It's just a readdressing of of your life and reassessing of where you're putting your hope. And and, and maybe it's just that coming to that point of saying, God, here, I I give this to you, Lord, because it's been misplaced. And Lord, help me to learn to focus on your love. Because here's what I can promise you when you do that. The moment we loosen our grips from our plans, our treasures, our ambitions, as if that's somehow going to get us through, can I tell you, that's the moment they release their grip over your heart, your faith, and your outlook. And you come to the place where no matter what happens, you can be like the three Hebrew children in the fire and say, you know what? If this all goes bad and and this is it, we're not going to stop praising the Lord our God who loves us. Because we're going to spend eternity doing that. So let me challenge this morning. We're going to celebrate our first communion together. But in this moment, would we just tangibly take things to God and loosen our grips on them? Father, God, I know that each one of us right now, your Holy Spirit's speaking to us. And Father, your word is powerful that way. It's active. Lord, it's not my words. It's not my thoughts, God. It's it's what your word does, God. And you remind us again, Father, that it's your unfailing love. That, God, we want to be with us. And God, that we put our hope in you, Lord. 
And I pray this morning there would be a, a sense of releasing, God, around us. That, Lord, maybe there are things that, God, we didn't really think of yet that, that we really put our hope in. But, God, maybe that they've replaced you in our sights. And, God, today would you help us to release them? God, would you help us to give them to you? God, that we would stop asking you to prop up that which is unstable. And God, we would ask that, Lord, you'd help us to continually fix our eyes on you. God, your word, let it become, God, our passion, Father. God, your worship, God, that we would let it become our rhythm, God. That, Lord, God, our, our prayers, oh God, we more than just something as a duty, but God, they'd become that, that constant ebb of flow of communication with you, oh God, as you lead us and guide us. That, God, our witness, our love, our serving, God, it will all stand out, not because we're something, but because you're something through us, God. So, Father, today, prepare our hearts. Help us to be ready. God, even as we prepare to celebrate communion, Lord, this sacred moment, God, to recognize the body and the blood of your son, Jesus. God, let us settle before we even come to that moment, God, where our faith is. Maybe you're listening in today, and, and maybe you're just picking this up on a podcast, or maybe you even got talked into coming to church today, and yet you know that your faith is totally in this world. You've never yet even thought to put your faith in God. Let this new year, let this day be the day of salvation. Let it be the day you say, Father, I want you as my God. I surrender my life to you. Jesus Christ, be my Lord. Forgive me, and he will do just that. But the Bible says for all of us, before we even come to communion, we examine our hearts not to beat ourselves up over all the bad things we've done, but Lord, just to refocus us. Where have we placed our hope?